Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with one of my favorite students from back in the day. Uh, what about eight years ago, Tyler? Um, Tyler Nigro. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Dr. Greenwood. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so great to see you, uh, Tyler was um uh one of uh he he as most people know who um who know me um I was involved I'm involved and still involved with the Junior Giants and and Tyler was um a Junior Giants ambassador and commissioner and um helped with the study and everything so it's really um it's really exciting to be able to get to catch up with him he is currently um working for a team that I'm sure a few of you have heard heard about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so he is um, a premium sales manager for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm trying to put my, uh, uh, my, uh, what is it? What was my guy's name? God, I can't believe I'm spacing on the NFL network guy, Hallis. My, uh, he was an old Phillies broadcaster. A lot of people don't know that he was also the voice of NFL networks for many years, you know, He's the one who coined the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, you know, that that one, you know, but um, so very excited to have Tyler on. Tyler is a 2015 graduate of our program. Yeah. And um, so we're going to we're going to get to talk about the Raiders here, but we got to march through his career and his life. Uh, tell us where you grew up, Tyler. Yeah, of course, um, so I actually moved around quite a bit growing up. Um, started in Seattle, Washington, kind of moved around the Seattle Pacific Northwest area, um, moved down to California, Palo Alto, California when I was 13, um, spent a year down in San Diego in high school, and then moved back up, finished high school in Palo Alto. Um, yeah, always, a always a good fun fact icebreaker that I use. I, I, I believe I switched schools about eight times eight before times. graduating high school. <laughs> so wow. Little, little, little all over the place. Yeah, but I bet you learned a lot through that process, you know. Um, and and uh, my, you you have that a little bit in common. Doctor Rue was was not um wasn't eight, but um she was a military military kid, so she bounced around a little bit. And um, I think we we've shared that she lived in Henderson for a little while, which is um uh, right there outside of Las Vegas. Um, and so. Yeah, she knows about that a little bit. Tell us um, what your folks did. What would your parents do while you're growing up? Yeah, for sure. With all the moving, everyone just kind of assumes military. Uh, yeah, yeah. But my uh, my dad's actually into optical sales, kind of oh. family. This one, my grandfather did, and great grandfather as well. Uh, so I wear contact lenses, um, working for labs as a sales rep. And then my mom was always in like retail management. So as a kid in Seattle. Uh, she managed like a Hallmark pharmacy. Oh, uh, it was like on the the walk home from school. We'd always stop in there and get candy. Nice. Uh, and then when we moved to California, uh, she got in, involved with um, optical lenses as well. So she would manage retail uh, stores for optical lenses, eyewear. Uh, okay. Kind of transitioned into that. Started working closer with my dad, which was pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I, I use the excuse that I was running across campus from the uh, parking deck 
but it was actually because I was I was picking up my uh, glasses. You know how you they give you two weeks, and um, this morning I was thinking to myself, man, I really need those glasses. When are they going to come in? And I got the text, and so I ran over there and picked them up. And uh, so uh, so so there we go. We we we've got that as a connection there. So tell us about um, uh, other. Have you had any siblings? Did you have any brothers and sisters growing up? Yeah, so three three brothers, all boys. Oh, so I have wow. two two older brothers. Uh, the oldest one's four years older. Second one's two years older. And then uh, my younger brother, Jason's actually ten years younger. So wow. he's the baby of the family. Uh huh. Uh huh. So that's where you got your uh, that's where you got your athletic acumen from, huh? You had to go up against uh, a couple of bigger brothers, uh, older oh, brothers, yeah. huh? A lot of summer days in the backyard playing basketball for sure. I bet. I bet. How old were you before you beat uh, the oldest one one on one? Do you remember? Took a while. It was probably until after he stopped playing basketball. It was probably like (laughs) he had to stop and you had to keep going, huh? (laughs) He got more into baseball. I was always more into basketball. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, with with working for a, working for a professional sports team, um, not too many uh, ever get to th- that position without having sports in their blood. But um, so what you said you mentioned basketball. What, what else were you into? What was your jam growing up? Yeah, I mean, uh, basketball is a big one. I played a little bit of everything: yeah, soccer, baseball, football. Um, but really ended up focusing more on basketball and track and field. Um, and the track and field ultimately is what led me to San Luis Obispo. I ended up doing a year, uh, high jump and track and field at Cuesta College before going to Cal Poly. Right. Nice. Nice. So I, I like to call this next segment our, our glory day segment, you know, the, the good old Bruce Springsteen, um, glory day. So tell us what your, uh, proudest uh accomplishment was um before you got to cal poly have you got uh y- you know like for me I- i'll tell my kids like yeah you know i i was um uh, fell one game short of winning the state championship my senior year in baseball you know that sort of thing right um what about you what was what's your proudest accomplishment i'll give you a i'll give you two actually okay. i guess like sports accomplishment um yeah. Growing up, I think in like eighth grade of freshman year, I was, I was the first one of our friends or teammates to dunk a basketball, which was, oh. which is like a really like unimportant part of the game. But when you're a kid that age, it's always like a competition who can jump the highest. So that's that huge. Yeah. Um, I think like favorite, like proudest memory growing up. Um, we just moved to California down in Palo Alto, my brother and I. It was my eighth grade or freshman year as well, but we uh, we went up to go see Barry Bonds break Hate Karen's record. Oh no way! We went up to Big Five and we bought like this inflatable raft, this cheap inflatable raft, right? Plastic oars. We jumped on the Caltrain. We took the Caltrain up to San Francisco. We pumped up the boat on the dock and rode this little boat out to McCovey Cove. (laughs) No way. Yeah, it was like a night game. It was freezing cold. It was plastic oars, and people just looked at us like we were crazy. I'm sure. How many yeah, of you so, were? How many of you were in it? It was just me and my brother, my second oldest brother. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like the hardest thing I've ever had to do is row that boat all the way around. We started like in over by left field, went all the way around center into McCovey Cove. 
Yeah. And he didn't even hit it in the bay, which is the funniest part. He, yeah, exactly. He, he caught the game. He hit it, but he hit it to center field. But it was just an incredible experience and uh, memorable thing. I'll, I'll definitely remember forever. What a story, man. That is hilarious. Because, uh, I mean, you see those guys out there like professional kayaks. Oh, and yeah. like It's like you were out there in an inflatable boat that you bought at oh, CBS or whatever. Bumper to bumper. We were like 13, 14 years old. It was, it was oh. hilarious. Oh, man, that is awesome. I wish uh, do you have any pictures of that of that. Uh, probably. Oh, I wish we did. Yeah, probably not. I was going to say, how would you have gotten a picture of it? Someone somewhere probably snapped a picture. Probably would have ruined, probably would have ruined the camera, too. The whole thing was full of water by the time we were done. <laughs> yeah, they would have sent the Coast Guard out there. Oh, man, that's, uh, that is pretty funny. I love it. So growing up, um, you know, everyone kind of has this uh, dream job, you know, whether it's like a professional athlete or fire uh you know fire person or uh, um you know president of the united states what was yours when i was really young i'd say uh i'm sure you get this answer all the time i wanted to be a professional basketball player yeah but uh that dream was crushed pretty quick you know once you start playing higher competition started doing the travel circuit right. seeing what talents out there you gotta reevaluate that one well uh, well, you know what I appreciate. I appreciate that you have the awareness, right? You know, I mean, I I, uh, I have talked to a couple of stu student athletes here over the years where they they still have that dream of the NBA, and I'm like, you realize you're averaging like three points for Cal Poly, like, um, yeah, I'm not sure. You might need to <laughs> you might need to work on the game a little bit, um, but uh. But not not that that's not an accomplishment. That is a huge accomplishment. There's no way I could average three points a game for Cal Poly. But uh, but but you know, um, I, and I love your I love your example also of the of the dunking. Um, I never came close to dunking. But as you're talking, it it hits me that like I grew up in the era of the dunk goal. Right. So my I was one of the first ones of my friends to get a dunk goal. And so, you know, we lowered that sucker down. It's, you know, I grew up in the white man can't jump era also. Right. So it's like the dunk. Go they're like, oh, what if we created a basketball goal that could go down so white people could dunk? <laughs> you know, and so we lowered it, you know, we lowered it to seven feet and we were like just hammering that sucker but uh of course they weren't perfected back then so i had a couple buddies who were on the basketball team who really could dunk and were awesome basketball players and uh they broke that thing pretty quickly if uh if memory serves <laughs> did you have a dunk goal growing up did anybody oh yeah for sure we uh at recess there was a hoop they built these new hoops in the, the play yard and there's a way where you could actually lower the hoop if you brought, we got in trouble for this too. If uh -huh. you brought a screwdriver, you could twist the wrench thing in the back and lower the hoop down. Right. Yeah, I had to go to detention once because I had a screwdriver on the recess. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but this is like sixth grade. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> right, right, right. I love lower it down to about seven feet and do a, we used to call it dunk ball. Right. Yeah, of course. So talk to us about that, um, about your path to Cal Poly. You know, everyone has their own unique story. Uh, what was yours? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, in high school, honestly, I didn't really know uh, what I wanted to do at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't have a ton of direction. I honestly wasn't a very good student. Um, but I had a, one of my best friends I still keep in good touch with now went on a trip down to Slow, ended up going to Cal Poly as well. Um, but yeah, I had no idea where I wanted to go. He came back and was raving about the town, the school, and absolutely loved it. And I, I had heard of San Luis Obispo and Cal Poly, but wasn't too familiar. So I started doing some research um, and loved the idea. So I think I only applied to like two schools at a high school, um, an out-of-state school and uh, Cal Poly. I got rejected by Cal Poly and I got into the other school but I wasn't completely sold on going there. So I had some old teammates who were doing a track and field at Cuesta. Uh, so I started talking with them, started liking the idea. So I went and continued my track and field career there. Um, started majoring in business, actually. So first two years, I studied business, did track. And it wasn't until my third year, I did an additional third year at Cuesta and switched majors last minute. Um, I'd never heard of, of the program before. And then someone was right. talking about it. I said, Hey, that sounds pretty cool. Kind of fits right. my interests. Uh, I was already doing business. There's definitely a lot of business elements to it. Um, and definitely needed to get my grades up a little bit. So, um, I got rejected coming out of high school. So junior college was a perfect opportunity for me to grow as a student, get better studying habits and really just find, uh, what I was looking for. So after that third year, I applied to Cal Poly again and uh, eventually got in, of course. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. And, um, you know, one of the things that's so cool about this podcast is I, I have a few of those aha moments with students, right, where, um, you know, Tyler, maybe I knew that at some point about you that, uh, you know, that you had gone to, to, to Cuesta and been in business, but I don't remember it. And um and but but for me, it's like an aha. I'm like, ah, so that's why Tyler was a little bit more mature, a little bit more professional, a little bit more, you know, it's like we can tell as faculty. Right. You know, and um, and so uh, so I love that you had a you had a bit of a journey and and you you ultimately had to earn your way in. Um, I, I, I love that. So you had, you had grown what you had been here you had been here in san luis Obispo for three years huh by the time you got into cal poly yeah so in total i was there uh five years we had three at quest and they did two years at cal poly yeah yeah awesome that's awesome so let's talk about your time um whether it be your quest years or 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 once you got into cal poly um any enduring memories that really come out of that time where you're like oh wow i'll never forget you know, that sunset at Bishop's Peak or whatever it might be, that set of friends? Yeah, I mean, honestly, just, just the memories with new friends, uh, all the spontaneous experiences too, you know, wake up on a Sunday morning, decide to go to the beach or uh, doing a spontaneous camping trip up in Big Sur. Um, oh, yeah. I had a roommate who was, he was a horse trainer and he worked on a ranch and I would pick up like weekend gigs going with him to the ranch and like no way on a ranch which is something i would never envision doing in previous places i live it's just such a unique uh town uh some really good experiences for sure yeah that's awesome that's awesome okay so what about professional development right so you know we talk a lot about 
learn by doing. And, um, and, and, you know, when you were graduating, we were, we were working on the book, um, for, uh, on learn by doing Dr. Schwab and I, and, um, uh, we, we finally got that thing published in 2017. I don't know if you even knew that or not, but, uh, but, um, yeah, but, but, you know, we, um, we talk a lot about it, right. And we, we believe very strongly in professional development, um, is there something that you did um, during your time at Cal Poly where you look back and you think, oh, wow, this really helped to propel me to what I'm doing now? Yeah, it's definitely hands down the experience with the Junior Giants program. I, try, I tried to get a blend of different experiences while I was there, yeah. uh, try different things, working with Parks and Rec, the athletic department. Um, but I think it was definitely the experience with the Junior Giants from doing uh, the ambassador position. The research assistant with you, and then um, ultimately at the end doing the commissioner role. So just kind of growing within a role, and then seeing different aspects of the program for sure. Where the and it just gave me like a really good example uh, and foundation to like build my resume onto going into my first position. Yeah, and just really rewarding experience for sure. Yeah, you know I, I um. That's one of the things I love the most about the program. You know, when they when they came to me back in whatever that was, I think it was 2011, they said, what if, what about what if we hire college students? And I'm like, college students get to put the giants on their resume. I'm like, yeah, I think they might jump at that. <laughs> I think there might be some demand for that. And, um, and you know, sure enough, uh, what, 12 years later, it's like such a successful program. And um yeah, so glad that you got that experience. And, um, you know, for those who are not aware, and Tyler just kind of went through it, but but Tyler just kept stepping up with it. And that's one of the things that the Ambassador Program offers also. Um, and this was even after you left, they added this, Tyler. They now have um, a way to become a Junior Giants regional ambassador so that you get even more experience um, as you go along. And so, um, but, but, uh, Tyler kind of did his own, uh, element of that. Like he was an ambassador and then he was a a research assistant and then he was also the commissioner. And, um, so he just ramped up his, um, just ramped up his experience and ramped up, uh, you know, that leadership aspect, so let's talk about moving out of um, moving out of Cal Poly and and moving on into the career world. Um, tell us what you did for your internship and how you got it. Sure, well, you were definitely a big part of that uh, for the internship. I ended up doing the the commissioner role with the Junior Giants. Um, so yeah, taking on a lot of um, it, was, it was great because you really started like late winter, early spring, just planning the program as far as going to uh, the farmer's market downtown with the easy up and a table, like getting signups and yeah. reaching out to the little leagues, um, you know, helping like hire volunteers, different students to help out the program. Um, I remember Julia Pettit was uh, the ambassador, I believe that year. She was a huge help. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a great experience. I was able to, you know, take that first ambassador position and just kind of bring it full circle and um, really help launch going into my first role for sure. Love it. And uh, shout out to Julia. I just remember what a, a spectacular job that that you guys did and in, in teaming up um, that that summer it was really, really awesome. 
So you moved out of that position and um, pretty soon thereafter, Tyler, you were working, um, you you ended up moving to Washington, D.C. and um, ended up working for a couple of different um, Washington, D.C. area sports teams and first the Capitals and then the Nationals. Tell us about those positions, how you got them and what your what your big takeaway was from from those two positions. Yes, yeah, it's an interesting path. Um, after graduating, I moved back to Seattle for a couple of weeks. Um, my brother was living in Las Vegas, so I actually decided to move down, live with him, was crashing on the couch, applying for jobs. Um, at that point, Las Vegas wasn't a sports city, uh, but I thought it was a good like base to branch out, apply for jobs as close proximity to Salt Lake, to Phoenix, to LA, to the Bay. So you got all these things or the cities around you um, to look at. And Washington, D.C. wasn't even on my radar. But my brother had got a, a job with MGM in Maryland for the National Harbor Casino. So he told me he was moving to D.C. I didn't really have any plans lined up, so I decided to tag along. Um, so we ended up uh, sharing a room out there. Uh, it, it was a perfect opportunity because there's at that time at least five professional sports franchises there in the DMV area. So went out there without a job lined up and just started, you know, grinding, putting out resumes, doing interviews. Um, but yeah, I got an inside sales role with the Nationals. And I was actually doing both those jobs at the same time. I was working inside sales with the Nationals and then on game days for the Capitals. Uh, we worked for the Wizards a little bit too. They're under the same ownership group. So we would do game day marketing, uh, do some operations type stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was great to get a blend of two different franchises and different different roles at the same time. Yeah. 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 You know, um, <clears throat> it's uh, it, that, that's kind of that those early years are kind of a grind, right? You're doing, you're basically doing whatever you can, right? To, to survive and to, to get your foot in the door with a professional sports franchise. And, um, and, um, so, so I, I, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, yep, that sounds, that sounds like what you would do in your twenties, right. To try to get your, trying to get your foot in the door and, and, and make your way. Um, so you followed that up, um, with, uh, working for Caesars entertainment for what almost, I, I guess almost six years. Um, Tyler, tell us about, um, that transition, um, to, uh, more of an entertainment franchise, you know, those who, who know sports well know that sports and entertainment are, are intricately tied. And obviously when we're talking, um, uh, a big organization like Caesars, there's, there's a lot of crossover and, and whatnot, but you did some, you did some sales and you, you had already been doing some sales. So tell us about, um, Tell us about that time period and what you learned from from working with an inter big entertainment group like Caesars. Yeah, it was an interesting transition. Uh, you know, sales to start with was very much out of my comfort zone. It was definitely, you know, uh, a way to jump into the sports industry um, and do something I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, but taught me a lot. Right. Uh, Nationals had a great training program, and I was able to take that over to Caesars working in their uh, casino marketing department. So it's a sales role where you're you're working with uh, VIP customers in the, the loyalty program. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of 
relationship building, driving trips to properties, uh, managing VIP accounts. Um, so yeah, it, it's a fascinating industry for sure. Uh, but a lot of parallels as far as uh, providing entertainment, um, oh, yeah. you know, putting on big events for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's where I, was, I spent the bulk of my career. I definitely developed a lot uh, at Caesars over the span of six years, um, jumping up a couple of roles and had the chance to, to work with some incredible coworkers and leaders over there for sure. Yeah. And and you made a decision, um, right during that time per- period while you were while you were at Caesars to to get your master's degree, right? You got an MBA um, from UNLV. Tell us about your decision making along those lines, and and why you saw that as a as a way of boosting your career. I did. So Caesars offered a great benefit, a tuition reimbursement program. Um, UNLV is. You know, probably a five-minute drive from where I was working uh, at Caesars Entertainment, and I remember I remember some good advice he gave us in a class uh, back at Cal Poly. As far as when you go and do your masters, you know, if you're doing sport management, don't go do sport management as your masters, or if you do, you know, have have a blend of experience. And I, I like I said, started as a business major, so I saw that as a perfect opportunity to make myself more marketable as a candidate as you know i apply for promotions or apply for new positions Um, and the other nice thing about the unlv program is you would assume it's just all hospitality and gaming and it's really not a wide range of industries throughout uh, las vegas i think over the last couple decades vegas has become a lot more diverse economy so it was eye-opening in that sense and ultimately it was a really cool experience got to do a couple um, travel abroad trips. We did a, a trip to China, uh, which was awesome. Oh, wow. Uh, awesome. Macau, Hong Kong. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, I would definitely recommend it. It was, it was an incredible experience. Love it. So that's, that's awesome. Um, I, I love that. And, um, you know, uh, while you were, while you were there at Caesars, you ended up kind of marching up the ladder, right. And your, your last position, and, and this was post, um, post MBA was, was as a VIP sports marketing manager. So I imagine that that helped you to kind of step into the role that you're doing now with Las Vegas. Tell us, um, tell us about that last position, that VIP sports marketing manager, were you working in the sports book or, or was it one that was created as sort of a, as like you said, like back in 2015, you're exactly right. Las Vegas was not a sports town and now it has exploded as a sports town. And obviously with a couple more on the horizon, um, the, the A's vote, I guess, will most people think it's a done deal, but it, it'll be uh, uh, potentially official here in a couple of months. Um, so, so explain to us what a VIP sports marketing manager did for, for Caesars. Sure. So it was actually a completely new role, new department. Uh, so with the launch of the new digital sports book uh, in multiple different states across the country, we launched a, a new department. It was part of the merger with William Hill and Caesars. Uh-huh. Started a um, basically like a VIP host program um, for the digital players for both the sports book and I casino. Right. So it was a great experience because we really started it from the ground up. It was the best way I could describe it. It was almost like working for a startup within a big corporation. Oh, cool. Uh, so we 
you know, the director, myself, and a couple other managers started with a, a sales team of six. And within 12 months, I think we grew to 50, 60 sales uh, or hosts. Um, so it quickly, it was, quickly became a huge department. Uh, and we kept adding states too. So, you know, like launching Arizona or uh, New York, Ontario, like all these new states that just kept jumping on board. We just kept growing our department. So it was, it was definitely a unique experience. Uh, got to see something new, build something from the ground up, and definitely really challenged you as a, as a professional. And in a good way, you get to learn a lot of new uh, skills, work with a lot of different departments uh, in order to make the whole thing work. And yeah. also had some really cool experiences, too. We got to go host events like Indy 500. And, uh, we sent a team um, out there with some players to the Super Bowl. Wow. So re- really cool uh, experience for sure. Love it, love it. So now we're we're at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so you you started that position, um, I guess about what about eight months ago, back in uh, back in March. Um, like I said earlier, you're the premium sales manager. You know, everyone's uh, are a lot of kids who grow up in sports. Their dream is to work for the National Football League. You know, and um, so to reach a to reach a position like like you have now, it's a testament to your hard work. It's a testament to your professionalism. It's a testament to to all kinds of all kinds of things. And um, just so so proud of you and so happy for you. Um, now, uh, tell us first of all, what's your day to day like? Now, obviously, we know in in our in our business, our our industry no two days are alike, but what's an average day like, first of all, and then we'll get into, um, you know, some of the opportunities and challenges that let that lie ahead. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very different sales cycle than my first role in inside sales, inside sales. It's very much pounding the phones, hundred calls a day, uh, cold calling And this role. I mean, there's definitely still the calls. There's a lot of inbound interests, you know, being a, the Raiders being in Las Vegas, we get a lot of calls. So there's always the phone calls and the email element, but the big focus for us is getting face to face with the clients. So we actually try and get out of the office as much as possible. So we're doing networking events, chamber of commerce events, doing stadium tours, um, doing web, uh, web calls and presentations with clients too. So. There's the calls and the email element, but a lot of it is prospecting, setting appointments, getting face to face with the clients is the biggest part for us. One hundred percent. And you know, I, I would imagine the the goal is to eventually make it to where these um, visiting teams don't have as much of a uh, as much of a, a presence in, um, in in a Allegiant as they do as they do now. I mean, I remember when I was in in Vegas and I, I was talking to a a longtime bartender there at, at one of the properties, and I was asking him about this prospect. This was before the Raiders had moved, and he was like, "Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Casinos will never let this fail." Um, he was like, "But at first, it will be mainly vi- a lot of visiting, <laughs> a lot of visiting teams, you know." But but the Raiders have such an amazing fan base. Um, all throughout, obviously, all throughout California. So um, I imagine it's it's pretty fun to think about like building that there in in Las Vegas Valley and and um, building the excitement and energy. Tell us what that's like. What that's been like? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, 
one thing that's been incredible about the Raiders is we've we've maintained our fan base. Um, you know, like I said, I grew up in Seattle, and I remember when the Sonics left, and you know, it was so heartbreaking to see your team leave. Uh, but being here in Vegas, you know, we still retain a lot of our fans from the Bay Area, LA as well, and we're developing new fans. You know, back to community relations, our foundation does a great job uh, being involved with the community and and you know, growing that next generation of Raiders fans and Raider Nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, you definitely always want the house packed with Raiders fans. And yeah. uh, then you also get a lot of fans from the opposing team too, which, which creates a fun dynamic, you know, it creates a lot of competition and it's kind of the nature of being in Las Vegas too. You got the convention crowds and the people traveling. So it's, it's an incredible, uh, incredible experience. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, when I was first asked about it um, back b- before, you know, before the move, but when the when the move was was definitely going to happen, I was like, I don't think people have any idea how many Raiders fans there are still in Los Angeles. And um, it's uh, Las Vegas is almost like the perfect spot for the Raiders to be right, because you you got the Bay Area and all those fans and then you've got L.A. and all those fans and you can all come together in one big party city there of Las Vegas. But then also building from the ground roots, you know, I told you or from the grassroots, you know, I told you my uh, mother-in-law lives there and she's now a Raiders fan, you know? And so um, there very much is this, this feeling of um, community there that I don't think people who people obviously who've only ever been to the strip, they don't feel that sense of community, but like you, who've, who've you've lived there for a number of years, you know, that there is a sense of community, um, you, you know, I, I, and sports play such a huge role in that. I mean, I just think back to those, um, that, that first year for the golden Knights and, and after the tragedy there at Mandalay Bay and, and how much the community came together and rallied behind the golden Knights and the golden Knights that first year, like just were, did an amazing job, you know? And, um, so do, I, 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 I guess my question along those lines, I don't mean to wax poetic there too much, but um, it, do you really feel that sense of community? Do you feel like you're building it there? You're being a part of building it? I do. I think I think Vegas has always been hungry for sports sports franchises. And, uh, you know, the Knights were the, the first ones to do it. And then the Raiders coming in, uh, following that up. And it, it's, I mean, that, that's the big reason why I got into the sports industry in the first place is the sense of community that it builds, how important it was for me growing up. And to see it built here in Las Vegas is, has been been amazing. So I, I definitely feel that for sure with Raider Nation. Like you said, just the people coming out from California. And the other one that surprises people is, uh, is Utah. Mm-hmm. I had no idea until I started in this role, but there's a ton of Raiders fans in Utah, Salt Lake City. Oh, really? uh, since out here so you see it growing it's 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 been amazing that's cool yeah yeah i tell i I told friends i'm like you go to you go to the greater las vegas area and i'm driving around the suburbs and there is golden night stuff everywhere like almost everyone has golden knights gear it's kind of crazy you know so uh i uh i'm excited for you and i'm excited about um about all the opportunities. Now let's talk about the challenges. Um, uh, 
what do you see for professional sports in general? But 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 let's talk specifically the National Football League. What do you see as the biggest challenge moving ahead? Um, for I mean, for us here locally, and it's a challenge, but it's a good thing too. Is with it being an emerging sports market, more teams are coming here. I know you referenced the A's. Um, a lot of rumors about the NBA too. So it's just more competition, um, which is a good thing. You know, it's it's recognized more as a sports city, but it also puts the pressure to, to continue to be relevant. You know, we have one of the best, in my opinion, the best facility in the NFL. Um, but there's going to be a day where that's not the new shiny object. It's, it's a constant battle to stay relevant, um, you know, provide incredible service and create loyalty from your fans and, um, so it's, it's, it's changing, but it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you got to be at the top of your game, you know, because every night in Vegas, there's something incredible to do. Right. And so if you're just, uh, if you're just mediocre and you're not, uh, you're not top of the game, you're just, uh, you're just a carrot top, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> and that's not a, and it, you're exactly right. It's not a sports or specific NFL problem. It's, a, it's a very much. Well, it's everywhere but Vegas. It's it's constantly reinventing itself. There's constantly new resorts being built. Um, so everyone's constantly uh, re-upping each other or one-upping each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the last time uh, me and my buddies were were in Vegas, we did um, we did a thing um, on uh, guessing Carrot Top's uh, net worth um, without obviously without googling it what would be what would be your your guess on carrot tops net worth oh i have no clue but i think it's a lot higher than people think he does a lot of shows i heard it's a good show yeah uh, <laughs> I, I made fun of him so i got to give him some props here yeah 75 or, or 70 million is his net worth <laughs> it's like we could not believe it. Like uh, it was like uh, we were we were guessing way way lower than seventy million, but uh, but yeah. So let's um, you know, let's do a little time travel now, Tyler. I know you got things that you got to do. I don't want to keep you for too long. So if you could go back and um and travel in time back to like two thousand fourteen or so, your junior year, what advice do you think you would give to your uh? Uh, to your your junior yourself, I guess that would be your first year at Cal Poly. What would what advice would you give yourself? I'd say jump in and start getting experience earlier. I, I really tried to cram a lot of career development experience into that last year, and mm -hmm. I already had a short window at Cal Poly being a transfer. I was only there for two years, yeah. and I did the ambassador position the summer between before my senior year. Mm -hmm. Then I internshiped with the athletic department throughout my senior year. And then I did my internship the next summer before graduating. And I didn't do a ton of career development my junior year. I just did the classes and mm -hmm. uh, worked in a job that wasn't related to the field. And I, I wish I just jumped in a little bit earlier getting that experience. Gotcha. Gotcha. Real, real good. So what about for our sport management students out there? You know, they, they, they see me post uh, somebody working for the Raiders and you you can best believe we're going to get a lot of clicks from our sport management students out there wanting to wanting to hear how you did it, how you made your way, that sort of thing. What advice would you give to those students who are, um, you know, maybe uh, just getting started in the major with sport management or maybe they're getting ready to go out on their internship? What advice would you give? Don't, don't get discouraged from reje rejection early on. I, 
most people apply through teamwork online, right? For sports jobs. Yeah. And it creates a log in there of like past applied positions. And I remember at that moment when I was in Vegas before going to DC, I, I must have applied to like 50 or 60 jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Out of that 50, 60, maybe a couple interviews. And uh-huh. it is, it does get discouraging. And I think the best advice would be to take something from each interview. Um, you know, critique yourself as far as what you can get better at. And, and I think my favorite project that we did going back to the Cal Poly days was you gave us that uh, mock interview project. And it wasn't just about the interview, it was more so about the preparation going into the interview and how how much time you put in learning about the company, their mission, vision, and values, and what the hiring manager, what the person on the other side of the interview is going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and kind of coming back to the Raiders, you know, I started in the sports industry, left and came back. And it's hard enough to get into the sports industry once and then to leave and yeah, yeah. come back. I knew I really had to put myself ahead of other candidates that probably had, you know, the last six or seven years in the sports industry. So um, one piece of advice I got from a past leader with the Nationals um, was putting together a 30-60-90 plan which I never even heard of until he told me about it and kind of gave me some um, templates and some mock um, copies of different 30, 60, 90s to show me what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes a long ways as far as showing your intent to be successful once you get in the role, not just being good in the interview, but show what your plan is after the interview going into the role over in the 30, 60, 90 day period yeah. um, to launch your success. So I would highly recommend that to anyone trying to get into a role. I love it. I'm on I'm on day one of rebooting my fitness plan. So I'm going to take that 30, 60, 90 day to heart there, Tyler. <laughs> Next too. time you see me, I'm going to be lean, mean machine. <laughs> Went to the gym for the first time in like two months this morning. So you did too. Right there with you. I I uh I went to Ve- I went to Vegas with my buddies end of August and we all came back with COVID and so uh <clears throat> I I was uh I was in shape before I went to Vegas you know because the pools and everything I had to kind of get uh I had to get it going but then uh yeah I fell off the last two months I've been terrible so so we started back the same day. Tyler, I can't tell you how how great it is to see you and um and how proud I am of you and um just really appreciate you taking the time today to to um to give back. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. It's, a, it's an honor to be on this. I've been listening to it for a while, so I'm, I'm glad to finally be on the, the other side of it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much. Take care. You too. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.